everybody. It's going to be great. How's it going? Uh, it's me, your host, Michael Unterberg, with a very special event episode of the Teachers Lounge podcast, where we try to keep you connected with things going on in Israel. Tonight, we are at the premiere of the Jerusalem U movie, Humus, or I guess it's called Humus the movie. And I, of course, as always, am here with my co-host, Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? Exciting, exciting. We're here at Yes Planet in Talpiot. So not our usual bagel shop, not our usual setup, but uh, it's a gap year event. And so what we thought we would do is uh, sort of introduce you to some of the people who are here, some of the things going on, some people who work at Jerusalem U, some of the students, some of the teachers, some of the organizations that send representatives here. You think it'll work, Alan? I'm hoping so. I think it's a great opportunity to get to hear from uh, the people we're interacting with on a daily basis all year long. Exactly. So I think for those of you uh, who aren't used to meeting our students, because we're usually only talking from within the lounge, this will take us out of the lounge a little bit, but I think it should be a very interesting episode. I hope you guys enjoy. So here we are with Rabbi Shore, the CEO and founder of Jerusalem U. Hi, how are you doing? Thank God we're good. Thank God, really good. Um, but this exi- exciting event where we're uh, premiering Humus the movie for our for our gap year students. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Humus the movie? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm the producer of the movie, so I have some things to say about it. <laughs> this um, we made this film Humus because a lot of people, when they think about Israel, they think it must be a very discriminatory place, a place where okay, maybe if you're Jewish. You do well, but if you're not Jewish, either they don't let you live here or you're a second-class citizen. And so, in a very light and fun movie, we break all the stereotypes by saying, look, everybody here can flourish. We have all kinds of diverse and interesting people, and this is a very free society. And everybody can be here and participate and flourish. So the film, Humus the Movie, features a Christian a Muslim woman, and a Jewish guy who are all running hummus restaurants. They're all characters. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of humor. You get to learn about hummus. You get really hungry. And then you have a good time. So so you're saying we should have done the food after the movie? Oh, they're going to be wanting food after the movie. I can tell you that. There's even a cool subplot about the Guinness Book of World Records. That's right. So the subplot is that Israel has been competing, has had a competition with the country of Lebanon for several years now, a couple decades, for the biggest plate of hummus. And it is now, if if I'm correct, I think it's 10 tons is the current record. A plate, which is really a satellite dish, filled with 10 tons of hummus, and it's being held by Lebanon right now. So we show the humor of this competition going on, and we have... We had cameras at the last time Israel won it in Abu Ghosh. And so the film is a lot of fun. It's light, humorous, enjoyable. It's already screened at 65 film festivals in America International. And it's probably going to have a theatrical run this summer. So people who can't make it tonight to the premiere will be able to see it, whether in a theater or even after that, probably. Yeah, yeah. first we will put it out in theaters. So if you're in a major center, uh, New York, Los Angeles, I don't know where else, Chicago, 
a few cities will have theatrical runs, and then after that, we'll get it out digitally so everybody can watch it. Nice. How about here in Israel? That's a good question. I don't know. Oh, all right. I feel I feel I feel too like uh, I feel like I'm bragging a little that I get to see it, but everyone will get to see it eventually online. We'll have it accessible to people. Because even though, because of exactly, it's so true that even though it's like a, it's a documentary with a very light, enjoyable feel, but there are really profound ideas underneath that that anybody watching the movie I think will get. Uh, yeah, definitely. So it's enjoyable, but you also learn a lot without feeling like your brain's working because it's so much fun. Right. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Okay, so here, here we are with um, MTVA, Midrash Torah Vavoda, and YTVA, Yeshiva Torah Vavoda. We've got Alec, Alex, Jordana, and Alan uh, to represent. So, guys, so here we have our first question is, what is this gap year thing? Who's taking it? I would say a gap year is all about discovering your roots in, uh, in Israel as a Jewish people and to build up on it in the, your home country. So no matter whether or not you are, you're on campus or you're working in the army or whatever you're doing, it's, it's to regain a bond that you have with your history and to improve upon it, hopefully making you an active member of the community. It was a bond you came in with, but it's much richer and deeper now, is what you're saying? Yeah, the goal is to make your bond deeper and stronger, if it's, if it's already strong, to strengthen it, and if it's not there, to create it. Who's taking it next? Um, I think for me, what this year has shown me is I've gained a much stronger um, appreciation and connection to the land of Israel, and I've really been exposed to a side of the land that I never would have even known existed if I haven't been here. What side is that? Um, just the diversity. Like I expected, like ultra religious, like everything Jewish. Like it's the Jewish homeland, but Israel has so much culture aside from Judaism, but also incredible Jewish culture. And tefillah. And tefillah is great. <laughs> How'd you sneak tefillah in there? Because she brings it up every chance she can in class. It's awesome. <laughs> um, to me, a gap year is also about discovering a little bit more of who you are and gaining new experiences, not even just about this country, but about yourself and about your individuality, forming your own opinions, creating your own self, living independently, things like that. It's really a chance for you to become your own person, and the gap year is just a really easy way to do that before shoving yourself into a college experience. Is it so easy? I don't think it's necessarily the easiest thing in the world to create your own identity based on a year, but I think it definitely gives you the tools to do so. It's a great opportunity to do it. Okay, so Alan's next question is always, he's looking for, how do you say it? Standout Israel moment from this year. Who wants to take it? Standout Israel moment. Um, my school actually took us to Hebron one day, and usually we're based in, in Jerusalem, so we hear a lot of the more religious aspect um, and a lot more of the safety, I guess, a little bit of our own Jerusalem neighborhood and stepping outside of our comfort zone and learning more about the challenges that face Israel and not just the simple base level of the country and speaking to people who are from the other side and speaking to people who disagree with you. It's the most amazing thing, and it opens your perspective so much more than I would have thought. How much do you think about gap year in general is about stepping out of your comfort zone? Uh, it depends on the program that you're in, some more so than others. But I definitely think if you choose the program that's right for you, and if you want to step outside your comfort zone, you can find a way to do so. I'm a big fan. I'm a big believer that that's where the deepest learning takes place, is when you're out of your own comfort zone. Okay. Ooh, 
wait, get back to me. Go to Alan. I would actually say that my standout um, Israel moment was actually when I, I, when I was outside of Israel for a week on my Poland trip, actually run by Alan. Um, I got, so I left, I was in this huge Jewish culture in Israel, and I left for a week to experience the outside world. But it really brought me back to my roots and made me understand the importance of Israel and how, and how much I need Israel in my life. And um, it may not be, you know, an extraordinary stand-up mo- stand moment from everyone else's perspective, but to me, that stood out to me. It's ironic that going to Poland is what gave you that deeper... Yeah, but I guess that's the whole point of the Poland trip in some way. We, we also should point out that Alan got to stand at the, the graveside of his great-grandfather in Warsaw at the, at the grave with the tombstone. And How did you know it was your great-grandfather? Um, so my family is from Warsaw, and um, we asked the, uh, the person working at the gravesite, and um, they helped us find it. I actually also got to wear my Magenta Vita dome coat while at his grave. It was really Oh, my gosh. A moment. That was a real standout moment for me. All right, I got to pass on to Alan because I'm about to cry. <laughs> That's amazing. It was a standout moment for me, too, and I've been to Poland a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's very powerful. Wow, that's crazy. All right, I got to take a breath. We'll let Jordana go. Go. And Jordana likes to hold the microphone, but you're doing a good job. Okay, thanks. I don't know how to pick, like, one standout Israel moment because I've had so many incredible moments here. But a crazy moment I've been having a lot is just, like, getting off the bus from wherever I've been and, like, walking back to my apartment, just, like, walking down Yossi Ben Street, like, the street we live on, and just thinking, like, wow, like, I'm in Jerusalem, like, this is my home, like, I'm just going home, and, like, everything's just, like, here, like, there's my house, there's the pizza store, there's the supermarket, I know where everything is, like, I've really made it a home here. The, 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 normal, the normalcy of it is an amazing, amazing feeling, yeah, and it doesn't wear off, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Those were excellent. So here we go. We've got uh, we've got some more uh, students here. Uh, a big representation from Nishmat. I think more than ten percent of Nishmat is here. <laughs> and uh, and Natan is representing uh, Mivaseret. Woohoo! Um, and what? I teach it. I teach there. Yes, I teach at Mivaseret also. So we've got. Ariel and Ariel and Orit, if we could keep them, uh, keep them on. So the question is, what is this gap year thing? First question is, what is the gap year thing? And then we'll do the second question. Sure. So um, we're all at Midrash and Hishmah. And we're choosing to spend this year learning Torah and also getting really acclimated to Israeli society because it's an Israeli Midrasha. Well said. Very well said. Very well said. Oh, she's running away. But okay. Natan. Standout Israel moment. Um, I don't. This whole year has been like I don't, everything about this year has been amazing. It's been furthering me as a as a person. It's been furthering my Judaism. It's been experiencing land. Everything. There's nothing that I can really point out in particular. Well, it doesn't even have to be standout. Maybe it's too daunting. But is there a, an, a, a learning moment that you had just from being here that you can? I mean, not just. Le- I mean, learning like the whole like it's. I've grown to appreciate. I've really grown to appreciate my Judaism and my learning and the. Torah learning itself, but even in the land, like doing Yam Liam was just great to like really push myself and experience the land. Why? Wow, what did Yam Liam do for you? Yam Liam is a hike from the east coast to the west coast of Israel. How long does that take? It takes three days generally, and it's you're going, you're doing like thirty uh, between twenty and thirty kilometers a day, if not more. It's you're pushing yourself the whole time. You're just 
you you hike up a mountain, you you walk through like it's it's all I mean it's you're just pushing yourself and you're really just getting to see beautiful scenery the whole time. Cool. What do you say? C to C? It's a little bit loud. It's hard for me. C to C. Yum yum. Yum yum. C to C. That's an awesome experience. You went from which way? You went from the Mediterranean to the oh, you went from the Mediterranean to the. Oh, he went west to east. No, that's a little, cool. It's a little bit easier. It's downhill. <laughs> that's the move. Don't tell that to me when I'm going up and down. When I'm going down Harmeron at night, complete dark, hoping not to fall off the cliff. Maybe it wasn't the smartest time to go. <laughs> So here we are. We've got some tabling going on at our event here. Um, so we'd like to we'd like to hear from Stan with us what they do, what they're all about. Hi, my name is Joey. I'm an international student coordinator for Stand With Us here in Israel in the Jerusalem office. Uh, Stand With Us, we're an international nonprofit organization. Pretty much our goal is to, is to teach people about Israel. Um, education, we believe that education is the path to peace if we can debunk the myths or lies that people are spreading about Israel. So that's what our goal is, is to educate people. We're found all over the world, um, pretty much in any continent you can think of, obviously, besides uh, Antarctica. We're, we're spreading into South America now um, with Spanish. Uh, we're very active on social media. Uh, we broadcast in over 18 different languages. And one of the ironic things that we usually tell people, they don't know this, that our second most popular language after English is Arabic. Um, so those are some interesting facts about Stanley. What are you doing in Arabic and Spanish? Uh, we post different articles about Israel so that people in these areas that m- might not have exposure to Israel, that they can get the education that they need about Israel. So we could debunk the myths and, and lies. And how can students on campus participate, help? What can you do for them? What can they do for you? Um, so on campus specifically, Stand With Us is here as a support organization for anything that's needed, whether it's opening up a, an Israel group on campus, a pro-Israel group on campus, whether it's giving materials. Uh, we also have a fellowship, the Emerson Fellowship, uh, which can get kids involved when they go to campus. And if they want more information about that, they can go to standwithus.com. Standwithus.com. That was well done. Have you done that before? Sometimes in my, I do it sometimes in presentations, but that was super smooth. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Know me? I'm Alan. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Okay, so this is our. We're interviewing gap year students for our podcast, and we're asking some tough questions. So the tough question now we're at it. Well, first of all, Naomi's at Migdal. Yes. How's it going? It's good. It's been a really good year. Yofi. And we've got Leora here, also from MTVA. Got luck. Woo! So the question is this. What do you think the biggest challenge facing the Jewish people is today? Um, can you give me a second to think about that, Leora? No. You must... An- yeah, go ahead. Um, I think that the biggest challenge would have to be keeping the next generation connected to, to the past because so like with the high rates of assimilation um, and so many kids especially when they go off to college they just they don't find any semblance of connection even if they're raised traditional with the values that Judaism tries to instill within the house the second they leave the house they're not like they're not ingrained in them um, and a lot of them get lost um, and so I think keeping that next generation going um, the next link in the chain would probably be the biggest challenge absolutely great great answer what about Leora um, probably like sectionalism and this, the broadening divisions between different sects of Judaism. I think that's really just creating these kind of separate little enclaves, but not in one united Jewish people. 
This is Alan's expertise, bringing the conversation to a really depressing buzz killer. On a night of celebration, Alan turns it into a meditation on our problems. And then the next question is the, is the big question. Do you have any ideas of what to do, how to address it? Go mom. <laughs> oh, is this your mom? Hello. Hi. I'm Dina Rabhan. I'm the president of Jerusalem U. And these are challenges that we are trying to figure out every single day of work. Every morning when we wake up, the challenge of trying to make sure that young Jews are proud and are proud to be connected is the work that we do. But I'm not sure that we have the answer. One of our answers is certainly with Rabbi Allen and Rabbi Michael here, and that's educating. And we know that making sure that every young Jew has an opportunity to receive um, an educational background about their birthright is certainly a key, but it's only one piece of a very large puzzle of a very big, big challenge. We're trying. We're in there working. We're pitching. What else you got? Israel. There's so much. Nomi, my daughter Nomi has a very unusual gap year experience because we made Aliyah, our family made Aliyah last year without Nomi. We left her behind. She finished her senior year in New York. And so she only made Aliyah this year. So her gap year experience has been one of both integrating into Israeli society, but also being with all of her gap year friends. So she really sees this, like, the tension that exists between, I think, North America and the pull to go back to North America and start everyone starting their lives back in New York and all across the United States. And obviously... Now her future is here in Israel. So I think that Nomi has a very unique perspective on that. What do you think your experience has shown you that you think maybe some of your friends who don't live here, how are they experiencing it differently? Um, I think that the whole decision to make Aliyah is, is put up on a pedestal and it's glorified within our culture. It's like, oh, make Aliyah. But very few people discuss what happens when you get off that plane after the, all, like the, the joyous tarmac, wa- everyone's waving flags. Um, and how after watching my family go through this transition here, it's incredibly hard um, and to live and to... Inter- it's a little bit like weddings, right? Everybody talks about how much fun a wedding is and they don't talk about that marriage is also a lot of work. I'll take your word for it. Um, but I appreciate your faith in me. Thank you. Um, I lost my train of thought, but no, you you were saying that that in 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 our big rush to tell everyone how great Aliyah is, we're not we're not always giving people an accurate picture of how hard it is. Yeah. So I I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty fair, and. Uh, yeah, I think, we, I think we talk around it instead of talking about it. And by putting it on a pedestal, we get to talk around it without really addressing what it is, why it is, and how it is. I agree with you. Well, thank you very much, guys. Okay, so here we are at the Gap Year event, right, with, our, with uh, some new school representatives here. From uh, we got Migdal O's, Midmo, and MTVA again. Oh, we just had a Migdal O's also before. Um, so we want to ask you about hummus, right? The movie's about hummus. What is your favorite kind of hummus? One of the best ways to eat hummus. Your big hummus insight for the evening. 
Um, you can have shakshuka with hummus. That's great. How do you do that? You go to Tamal Shilsham and they make it for you. It's under the shakshuka is a sort of tomato-based sauce with eggs cooked inside it, right? Now, where in, where in does the hummus appear? It goes underneath, and then you kind of like mix it together and eat it, and it's great. So I shouldn't be scared. That sounds a little scary to me. I've got to be honest. It's not. Maybe it's not for beginners, but it's good. It's an advanced hummus application. I have had, I think it's at, is it a cafe? Cafe, they make a shakshuka with falafel in it, and there's some tchina on it. That's also a little bit advanced, but there is no hummus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to try that one. Yeah, you should. Maybe I will. Yeah. What did you want to say about hummus? Nothing? You have no... I like hummus with mushrooms, but that's like simple. It's not as cool as hamshuka, you know what I'm saying? That is, you skipped a level. You did skip a level by going straight to the shakshuka. But you are going back to the... Yeah, always have to go back to the fundamentals. Back to the basics. So what are the basics when it comes to eating? Now, I don't think most Americans realize that when you there are hummus restaurants that they basically serve you a bowl of hummus with pita bread, and there's usually something accompanying the hummus. So what would you say are the basic hummus accompaniers? Pita, right? Pita. Right. Like those classic saltine crackers that get crumbled up for soup. Oh, shoot. I never did that with hummus. How is that? They're pretty mediocre, I would say. Com- Sorry to hear that. And uh, compared to the pita, you know? And a classic would be carrots. Like, who doesn't love a good snack? In fourth grade. Sure, but that's when you're using hummus as like that dippy kind of hummus. But in Israel, when they serve it as a meal, have you ever done that? Have you ever gone, gone to a hummusia? And what, what are the options are like? You said mushrooms, right? Love There's meat also. It's really good. That's really the best thing in the world. Hummus in basar. Hummus with meat. And then the other big one is fool. Is those Egyptian beans. You never had hummus in fool? We just ate it right now and it was really good. I tried it for the first time. It was delicious. It's a little scary because, you know, beans, you get a little nervous in a big crowded area, but still, very enjoyable when you eat it. At least when you're eating it, it's enjoyable. All right. Well, enjoy the movie, ladies. Thank you so much. Okay, we have some more participants. Gap year students, sort of, or were gap year students? Anyway, introduce yourselves, and we'll have our little conversation. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Leah from Italy. I'm Yael from France. And your gap year program that you were on was both? We were in Madrasha Arova, and this year, we're doing Shulomi. Very nice. And what do you do on your national service? What is it you do? I uh, serve as a medic in Magandavida Dome, like the Red Cross. And I'm giving tours in the old city. To whom? To a lot of different people. Jews, uh, non-Jews, reforms, religious. Um, all kinds of people. It's very diverse. That's cool. You're enjoying? You're both enjoying? Yeah, yeah. I love it. So It's great. Feels good to give. So what I want to know from you guys is, what do you feel? Because tonight's movie is really about food. It's about hummus. What do you feel Israeli food tells you about Israeli culture? Um, I think there's a lot of different components of Israeli food, but I don't think that there is a specific Israeli food. When I had this conversation with my dad, he said, but, for example, hummus, shawarma, all those things, they're not Israeli. They come from other cultures, usually Arab cultures, uh, falafel, all those things, pito. Uh, so it's very interesting. It, it, it makes sense with the 
fact that Israel is made up of a very different, uh, very diverse population from all different um, nationalities and, and of different origins, that there there would be such a um, a big diverse cuisine in this country. I also think that the Israeli food it's very like it's very like definited by the people. If you Ashkenazi or Sephardi or whatever, even if you're Jew, you don't have the same Israeli food. Uh, I eat Hamin people eat chulent, you know, so like it's very very different, I guess. So really even though you're sort of disagreeing with the way I framed the question, but you are actually an- no no that's good, but you're answering it because you're saying it and because it's so much built on Jews returning back to their homeland from all around the world, you see reflected in what we eat things from all around the world. Yeah. Yeah, they're bringing back their food, actually. Yeah. They bring it back with them, mostly Middle Eastern, but not only. But that's what happens when you have, it's a, it's a sort of a melting pot culture. Um, even though it might be quite stereotypical, as in I'm from Italy, but I know that my kids will eat pasta and pizza, at least at home. <laughs> even though they're here. There are good Italian restaurants, right? Um, yes, sure. A lot of them are, are not authentic Italian, but yes, there are definitely uh, friends of my parents or my, my friend's parents that, that have come to Israel and have made good Italian restaurants in Israel. Okay, so you have to tell me what the best ones are here. Uh, go to the Tel Aviv area and there are some good kosher Italian restaurants. Go ahead. Great. The name, 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 come on. Name, okay. There's a Delizie in Tel Aviv. It's right uh, in the Ben Yehuda Dizengaf area. And there's also Fiorella, which just got its uh, Turad Kashrut last year, I believe. You heard it here. That was an inside scoop on the podcast. The two best Italian kosher restaurants in Israel. That is my favorite thing from years of working in Jerusalem. You, I'm a happy man. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so here we are very fortunate to be with Rabbi Rob Khan, who, uh, who currently is uh, in charge of running the Golda Ak Israel program and other Israel programs that Golda Ak does. But we go back a few years doing a lot of different things and uh, lots of uh, mutual friends. But in general, we just want to hear from Rob a little bit. What, what do you think about? You worked for many years in Gap Year. You're now working with uh, uh, 12th grade. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of comparison between the two. Maybe first explain a little bit what the Goldock program is and then... Well, thank you, Rabbi Allen. It's great to see you again. A relationship that was born in the fires of Poland together. A land soaked with the blood of our ancestors. It's uh, Oh, you're also one of these people who likes to bring the mood down, like Allen. You're also a buzz killer. I was listening to a less... A lesser-known podcast the other day, Unorthodox. I don't know. Most people, your listeners have probably never heard of it because uh, your podcast is so much more popular. But anyway, um, they mentioned the Holocaust 40 minutes into one of their episodes, which for them was a record. Usually it comes in like in the first 10, 12 minutes. Anyway, um, the difference? Is that what you asked? Yeah, well, first and then what, what is it? What is a high school, senior high school program? And then... You have to give a lot of credit to Goldock Academy because uh, the last three months plus of their 12th grade year, they're spending time in Israel, which is not to be taken for granted. That shows a deep commitment towards Israel programming and experiencing Israel. 
And the way they look at it is like bringing all of their learning together, like in actuality and an experiential learning. So that means it's supposed to be connected to everything they've been doing during the 12 years. It's like a summing, a summary experience of their whole high school experience. That's the way they look at it. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit different than the work I used to do with uh, gap year because gap year students usually are taking a year off, even though it's supposed to be a year on. And with this group here, you know, they still know that most likely college is in front of them. Um, but for them, it is a huge, deep sigh of relief because all of their academic learning and all that pressure is lifted off their shoulders. And they can actually really take a few deep breaths and enjoy Israel for a few months. Which leads me to my next point. You know what I'm thinking a lot about recently? I think this generation takes Israel for granted. I think, um, I think that they don't look at things in terms of history. And if you think of the history of the Jewish people, we live in a unique moment in time, to say the least. You cannot take the sovereign state of Israel for granted the last 70 years. And it's why I'm here in Israel, because I don't want to wake up one day and say I didn't do everything I could in this unique period in time. But I think for these Hanichim, it's like for these uh, participants, it's um, great music, great food. There's a vibe going on here, but there's not this like historical sense of like, oh my gosh, we are so lucky to be living in this day and experiencing this. I, I think I think adults forget that because we grew up. Because I don't think most people really do think historically. I think most people. Their, their historical memory is their experience. And as kids, we grew up where Israel's existence was pretty much in question and its reputation was unassailable. These kids grew up in a world where its existence is unquestionable. It's the powerhouse of the region, but its reputation is constantly in question. So they have a very different, I think it creates, like you say, a take it for granted sort of without realizing it. And they sort of approach as consumers, it's something wonderful to experience. But I don't think they feel that feeling of constant relief that it's still there because it's, it feels like it's not going anywhere. Right. No, I agree with you. Um, but I think we need to encourage them to look at this as um, John Kerry, actually, who's not necessarily a huge supporter of Israel. He kind of made a tongue-in-cheek uh, statement the other day calling Israel, or the, the, Zion, the story of Zionism, the greatest story ever told. Which you know what is usually in reference to? Jesus. Exactly. But he called Israel the greatest story ever told. And I think like that, we need to think about that. This, this Zionist enterprise, even if you're not Jewish, and even if you don't take Judaism seriously, is there any greater story that you'd like to be part of right now? And that's what kind of motivates me to work with these teens. I want them to link into this story. And I feel so lucky to be living here in 2017 to see this story unfold. I mean, I could have lived at any point in history and been a poor Jew in the Galut. And here I am, like, enjoying this and enjoying the wonderful hospitality. Do I need say from Jerusalem U in this night in uh, Yes Planet and uh, the movie that we're going to see, Homos. And I would say I would say that's the hardest job of an educator. And I would say there's two ways to look at the challenge. Oh, we have to go in. Ooh, that's exciting. One of them is, do we try to get them to see it the way we used to? Or do we come up with a new paradigm that works for them? It's a very big challenge. Yeah, so you're right. I think you're right. I mean, we can't always do it through. I honestly don't know. I share with them as much as I can personally, but I know that that ultimately may not be the most effective way of doing it. Yeah, we'll see. Well, thanks so much, Rob. Thank you, man. <laughs> we'll have to get Rob on a podcast. Yes, Absolutely.
This has been JU Israel, the Teacher's Lounge podcast. Please check out our website, juisrael.jerusalemu.org, for episodes, blog posts, and contact information. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you use for podcasts. But you knew that, right? Uh, you can follow our Facebook page at the Teacher's Lounge Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at juisraelgap. Please keep in touch with us with questions, comments, feedback, and suggestions. And if you know somebody who would enjoy our podcast in general or an episode in particular, we love it when people recommend us. Thank you, guys. Thank you.